John chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 13. We're going to try to get through verse 30 this morning. All right. The title of the message this morning is The True Witness. John chapter 8, verse 13. If you're there in your Bible this morning, say amen. I'm going to start reading verse 13. Follow along with me. The Pharisees therefore said to him, speaking to Jesus, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one, and yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Verse 21, then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath and I am from above. You are of this world and I am not of this world. Therefore, I say to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. I'm going to stop reading there. We pick it up in the Gospel of John. And we are, of course, seeing what's going on here is an exchange with Jesus and the Pharisees once again. And. He had just made the statement, the I am statement, that I am the light of the world. And, of course, this was a very bold statement. He was, in essence, telling those in the crowd that I am he, I am God I, in the flesh. I am the son of God, God the son. And, and he had made this declaration at the temple, the center of their worship. And this was, of course, uh, this was controversial to say the least and he of course did not pull any words here because his time on earth was was waning he didn't have much time and you understand that there's urgency in what Jesus is is speaking about at this time and what's taking place is that the people uh, are are on the fence, especially the religious leaders, they had re- they rejected Jesus and all that he had said up until this point, all that he revealed about his identity of being sent from heaven and being uh, divine, a deity in humanity, and these these people refused to believe it. But now Jesus is going to once again witness. We see in verse thirteen that the the uh, Pharisees accuse his witness of not being true. Jesus, uh, of course, just had said, I'm the light of the world. And they said, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness isn't true. And um, I, I've learned this to be off, often true. The world always seems to try to discredit the testimony of Jesus. They always try to label this not valid. And they always try to uh, 
take the word of God and, and try to uh, poke holes in it and say that, oh, well, there's no uh, there's no other evidence, but we know that there's much evidence. And, and so Jesus is going to give an undeniable witness here. He's going to go on and explain why he is able to, of course, uh, give testimony of who he was. And I want you to see in verse number 14, Jesus responds to their questioning. He says, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. Jesus, he doubles down on the fact that he is from heaven and that he uh, is God in the flesh. And he says, I, I, I can bear witness of myself. I can tell my testimony because it is true. I, I, I am from heaven. I know where I came from and I know where I am going. You see, what Jesus was saying was that I am not an ordinary man who needs someone else to co-sign on who I am. I am not on the same playing field as the rest of you men. I am different. I, I am divine. I am deity is what Jesus was declaring in front of him, in front of them. And so their ignorance to his identity would soon cost him much. And he's going to talk about this in the verses coming, uh, proceeding. And so he says, I know where I am going. I know where I've came from. He came from heaven. He's from heaven. He is a missionary. You guys understood that Jesus was the ultimate missionary. He left heaven's glory and he came down to earth. He was born of that virgin Mary and he, he was laid in that, that, uh, in that barn in, in that, in that little, uh, side of Bethlehem. And he, of course, even though he was uh, wrapped in humility, even though he was in human form, he was very God. And Jesus is declaring this before them. He's saying, my witness is true. I know where I'm from. I know where I'm going. He tells them that they are, of course, they are judging according to the flesh. They are not seeing with spiritual eyes. They are seeing with their physical, fallen, sinful, flawed nature. And Jesus stated this that he didn't come to judge like they did. Look at verse 15. He says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. When Jesus came, he did not come to judge. Jesus came for redemption. He came to save. He came to seek the lost. His very name means savior. And Jesus was telling to these men who were very quick to pass judgment upon anyone. He was saying, my purpose when I came, when I come, it, it was to save the world. It was not to judge the world. I've learned this. Jesus, we know, is he's going to return. And the first time he came as the lamb, but the next time he's coming as the lion, he's coming to judge. But in this instance, what he was, he was reinforcing before the people was, I came not to judge. Even though I would be the only righteous judge, I came to save. I've learned this, guys, that we would either bow before Jesus in faith and know him as our savior, or one day you will bow before him as your judge. I'll say that again. Either you will bow in faith to Jesus as savior now, or one day you will bow before him as your judge. You know that the Bible is clear that there will come a day where every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, that he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And this is what is the world is waiting on this major event. It is coming. I was watching the news and there's been these mysterious sounds, these, these almost deafening sounds that are going off across the world. 
And there's no explanation for these sounds. And some people are believing that the trumpets are from Revelation are starting to sound. And people are getting afraid. Like, we're, we're getting closer. As I, you know, I researched it, I just, you know, I don't, I don't quite fall into that same camp yet. Because when those trumpets start to go off, catastrophic things will start to happen. But we know as believers, we've seen the end of the story. We know that there is going to come a day when the sky opens up and the very same Jesus that was crucified, the very same Jesus that three days later rose from the grave, that very same Jesus will return. And all the mouths of the world will be stopped. The Bible says for a space of several minutes that every bird will not chirp. Every It will be complete silence on the earth when Jesus returns as judge and he's going to come and he's going to come in a robe dipped in blood and he's going to have a name written on the style that no man could utter he's going to have many crowns on his head he's going to have eyes of flame of fire he's going to have the scepter of the universe in his hand and he's going to declare judgment he's going to rule with an rod of iron it's going to not be like the lamb that we see here he's going to come as a lion to judge this is why we preach. This is why we preach that you should believe on Christ now. You should receive him now because you don't want to stand before him and be judged. And this is what he's saying to these before him. He's saying before you, I am witnessing, I am bearing witness of who I am. And not only I, but my father. He says, my father bears witness. He says in verse number 18, he says, I am one who bears witness of myself and the father who sent me bears witness. And How did the father bear witness to Jesus? It was through his miracles. Through the miracles that Jesus performed. I was just thinking about it up until this point in John. We've been in John for over a year. And and the miracles that we've, of course, discussed in these verses was, of course, his first miracle, the the water into wine, and um, then the healing of the the ruler's son in Capernaum, and then he fed 5,000 men with just a few uh, loaves and fishes, and then we find that he was walking on water, and then we we hear of when he healed the the cripple by the pool of Bethsaida, and I'm telling you, the miracles that Jesus performed, we know the Bible says that we couldn't record all that he did in just a three-year span, and I'm telling you, he did miracle upon miracle upon miracle, and it was confirmation that what he spoke what he declared, his word was authentic, that he is God in the flesh. And I want to remind you today who it is that we follow. We follow the same miracle worker. We serve the same Savior. Oh, he is still in the miracle working business. And we've got to uh, get back to uh, living out our faith, to uh, proclaiming the gospel because people are looking for hope. But hope is only found in one figure. His name is Jesus. And we need to go and declare that to this world. The miracles of Jesus. The father testified and confirmed who Jesus was. In the law, it was always required that there would be two men to authenticate a witness. And Jesus declared that he was one witness and the father was the other. And that was sufficient. Um, That was all that he needed. And he did not need their their, uh, co-signing. All right, so Jesus... He witnesses of himself and 
he, he speaks this convicting message to those who were there in the crowd. And they ask him a question. It says, who is your fa- where is your father? Where is this father you're talking about? You see, when Jesus talked about the father, he talked about him in such an intimacy. It was unlike how they would address God. It, it was very distinct. Jesus was, was saying to them uh, that he had a relationship. He had union with the father. And he, uh, of course, declared this. And they asked him, where's your father? And he says, if you would have known me, you would have known the father. But because you don't know me, you don't know the father. And I'm telling you, people who know Jesus, you rejoice You rejoice in Jesus, of course. People who know, you can't know the Father except through Jesus. Nobody can come to God except through him. And this is so true. I was at a funeral service on Friday. Seems like every other week now. uh, We're preaching at some service. And and I preached the gospel. And, um, you know, God really put it on my heart to just just shoot it straight. And and, um, he blessed it. And Afterwards, you know, some of the people came up and, you know, just said, hey, you know, man, thank you for sharing that. And I remember just a gentleman kind of off to the side and and uh, he came up and and have you ever I don't know about you guys. Sometimes you can kind of feel someone's vibe. Right. I don't know if it's just me, <laughs> but immediately, the, you know, the hairs on the back of my head begin to kind of kind of stand up and just something was off. <laughs> And, uh, and um, so we begin to talk, and he tells me, you know, great message, and, and uh, he begins to, to tell me about uh, his church. And I said, oh, where, where do you go to church? And he's like, oh, we go to the Latter-day Saints church over on, on um, whatever street he said. And, and he, um, he was just kind of awkward about how he said it, and, and he, he was going to start a conversation. And, and you know... <laughs> You know, part of me just wanted to say at that time, you know what, brother, you know you're, you're in the wrong place, right? Like a part of me just wanted, it just wells up from me. And, I, and it's not that, <laughs> I said, brother, bro. Because <laughs> I preached on Jesus and who he was. And bro, I'm, I just want to tell you, I wanted to say this. This is what was on my mind, but I didn't say it. Bro, that, the Jesus you're talking about isn't the Jesus that I know. And um, anyways, uh, I, I abruptly end the conversation before I would have made a scene there at the, at the service. And so I just left there just reminded that if you don't embrace the Jesus of the Bible, you have no standing with God. You have not the spirit of God within you. If any man does not believe that Jesus is a Christ, he has a spirit of antichrist with him. And that's what I was sensing from that man. And, and yes, you can have religion. Yes, you can have, uh, you can be baptized in waters. Yes, you can uh, say that my family member is a, a minister. But if you don't have Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, you are none of his, the Bible says. And these people... They wouldn't receive Jesus' word. They would not believe on Jesus. And so the Father rejects them. And Jesus spoke plainly to them as he gave his witness. But I want you to see, secondly, Jesus' warning. Look at verse 21. The Bible says, Then Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will seek me. 
And I, this week, I, you know, I've read this many times, right, reading through the Gospels. Do you notice what he says? He says, you will seek me. Those in the crowd that day, there would come a day that their rejection would stop and they would want to seek him. You will seek me, he says. And you know, the world today is rejecting God as a whole. They're rejecting Jesus. But there is coming a day when they will seek him. I think about the, 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 the reality of hell and how in hell, I believe the name that's uttered the most is God. But he's not to be found. And Jesus is giving an urgent warning to these who would listen to him. He's saying, you will seek me and you will die in your sin. And where I go, you cannot come. Just as Jesus only had a few short days left on earth, these people in front of him had a short window of opportunity in which they couldn't choose Jesus. Jesus is warning them of the closing window that every person has. Now, I don't know what this is for every individual, but I've learned this, that every time that a person rejects Jesus Christ, that's one less time that they can receive him. And there comes a point in time when either you die in your sin, as Jesus mentions, or you, your heart gets so hardened that you, you, you can't respond to the gospel. Jesus is given a very urgent warning here. He's not mincing any words when he tells them you will die in your sin. And, and I, I noticed this week too that here in verse 21, he said sin and, and he just said it in a singular sense because I've learned this guys. We are all sinners, right? But there's only one sin that God will not forgive. Rejection of Christ. Unbelief. You see, because he's the Savior. And when you come to him in faith, his blood atones uh, for every sin. Oh, I'm thankful this morning. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far and deep into the depths of depravity you've been. The moment that you cry out to Jesus to save you, his power, his blood will save you. There's no one who's beyond the, the, the realm of his salvation. But to those who believe, He's saying to those in the crowd, he said, you will die in your sin. And where I go, you cannot come. Now, of course, Jesus had just told them, I'm, I'm from heaven, and I'm going back to heaven. And you won't be able to go where I am. This is a warning. Oftentimes, we... We as Christians, we fail to warn people. You know, my Bible says in Jude that some you save by snatching them from the fire. Others, compassion will win them. But others, 
You have to preach hell hot and heaven sweet. Now you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm glad Pastor Lenny preached this week and not Mother's Day. <laughs> if I had to preach this on Mother's Day, I still would have preached it, though. It's the next verses. <laughs> but I'm telling you, in all, with all seriousness, there is a closing window for those who are outside of the family of God. And they will seek him. I believe Jesus was being prophetic here, prophetic here because in 70 AD, many in this generation, when the emperor Titus came and besieged the city, and if you understand what took place during that time, it was a massacre unlike any other time in the history of any war that I can think about. Million plus Jews massacred. They were starvation. People were eating their children. It was a horrific scene. You can read about this in Josephus and other historians outside of the Bible. And uh, I believe that in that time that many were crying out or many died in their sin. And in that rejection and rebellion, they ended up separated from God for all of eternity. And today, many people reject Jesus. Many people put him off. Many people uh, discount who he is, and and they put it off, and the window is closing. Now, these people, when they heard Jesus say what he said, they said, is he going to kill himself? And Because the Jews believed that If someone were to take their own life, there was a special place in judgment for them. But this is, of course, not what Jesus was referring to. You see, their response showed their ignorance. But it was also ironic that they would speak of death because we know Jesus wouldn't die by suicide, but he would give his life. He would die so that we may have life. And so this is uh, what the exchange is looking like. It is, it is not going well for these people, and Jesus is shooting them straight. And he goes on in verse 23, he says, you are from beneath, I am from above. He once again refers to his origin, his deity. He says, you are of this world, and I am not of this world. These were worldly-minded men. These were people who were caught up into the world system. They couldn't realize the Savior was in front of them. And how many people do you know like that? They go through their lives living it up in this side of eternity, and they don't realize that they're like a spider hanging over the abyss of hell, and just the wrong mosquito bite will send them into eternity to be separated from God. And I'm telling you, this is serious what Jesus is saying. It's a solemn warning. It's an urgent warning. I don't think Jesus was saying it like this. He was like, oh, you guys are going to seek me, but you won't find me. I believe Jesus was like, you're going to seek me, and you won't find me, and you're going to die in your sin, and where I go, you cannot come. It was an urgent warning. Why did Jesus warn them? He still desired that none would perish. He desired their soul. He wanted them to repent, to change their mind, to to turn to him in faith. And we'll see in just a few verses that many did that day, but there were some who didn't. 
So Jesus, he gives the urgent warning, and I want to give the urgent warning this morning too. Do not delay salvation. I know in a room this size, there may be someone in this room who you don't have Christ as your Savior. Repentance should take place as soon as the Holy Spirit convicts. You say, how do I know if the Holy Spirit is convicting me? Oh, you know it. I remember I was in seminary, and uh, I invited a young lady who I had known from college to, to church. And I remember, you know, she coming to church that day, and I was in a conservative church, very, you know, kind of stuffy church. And, and, uh, but I invited her to church, and she came, and she was wearing a very, she was wearing a miniskirt, just to be honest with you. <laughs> no. And uh, I'm sitting next to this girl in the front. I always sit in the first or second row, and, and I'm, st- I'm still, I'm, I got a little Pharisee in me at that time, so I'm a little uncomfortable. You know, I'm sitting next to her, you know, just wondering what people are thinking, you know. Stupid. <laughs> but anyways, so she comes, and, and the gospel's preached with clarity. And the time for the invitation came, and I looked over, you know, I peeked, you know, it was head bowed, eyes closed, you know, in the church, the old invitations. And, and I looked, but I'm peeking, you know, because I just want to, I'm praying for her. I want her to be saved. And um, she's, at this point, she's so under conviction. She's, she's gripping the pew in front of her. But the invitation is going on and she, she just won't let go of the, the pew. She doesn't want to go out and, and walk the aisle. And um, so the Holy Spirit just put it on my heart. Hey, just say that you'll go with her. And I, I leaned over and I, I said, hey, um, if you want to go forward, I, I'll walk with you. She says, yes. And we walk in the front and she goes in the back with one of the ladies and she comes out with the biggest smile about 15 minutes later. And uh, I asked her, oh, so what happened? She said, well, I asked Jesus to save me. And I'll never forget that, you know, conviction. I've seen it. I've seen it in here. I've seen men just under conviction. I've seen squirming almost like, Pastor Shane, if you talk about coffee one more time. (laughs) You talk about repentance and humility. You talk about 6 a.m. worship. We get it. We hear it. But don't run from conviction, especially if the Holy Spirit is telling you you need to be saved. Conviction. You see, none of us know when our time will come. None of us know when our number will be called. So today, the Bible always talks about salvation in the present tense, how you need to choose God now while there is time. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior because you never know, Dale Earnhardt was, of course, arguably one of the best NASCAR drivers of all time. On February 18, 2001, he was in third place in the, la- in the last lap of the Daytona 500. And at 180 miles per hour, someone tapped the, his bumper and sent him into the wall. Just a matter of moments Everyone knew something was terribly wrong. He died in the crash. And the autopsy revealed that it was blunt force trauma. And um, 
Many believe that Earnhardt would have survived the crash if he would have been wearing his head and neck safety device. He had opted not to wear it that day. And it cost him his life. And I just want to say something. God is offering salvation to the world, but many put it off. And one day they're going to hit the wall. And it's too late at that point. And this is what Jesus was warning those in the crowd and of that closing window. You see, he had come to seek and to save the lost. He had come to deal with the thing that religion can never deal with. He had come to pay the penalty for sin. You see, in heaven, there is no sin allowed. The Bible says in Revelation 21, verse 27, but there shall be by no means, but there shall by no means enter in it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those names that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, in Revelation chapter 20, we get the final scene in the world as we know it. It's when Jesus will judge every human that ever rejected him. It's called the great white throne judgment. The Bible says that people tried to flee from him, but there was no place to run. And John the Revelator, the same John who wrote our gospel, he says, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. I want you to understand things that are done in secret aren't really in secret. There are books in heaven that record every sin. God is the true witness. He's the final judge. And it may seem like, doesn't, don't you sometimes feel like the world is getting away with, the, with, with atrocity? They're getting away with, they're not. There's going to come a day when he will judge every deed done in the dark, every word spoken in malice, every, every wicked, sinful, depraved act. He says, the book of life is opened. And he says, and the dead were judged according to the works by the things that were written, up, written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were with him. You know, the Bible says for the Christian to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? If you're in Christ, the moment you take your last breath this side of eternity, you are with him. But I want you to understand the other side of this. If you reject Christ, the moment that you die, the Bible says the rich man died and he awoke in hell. And the Bible here records that death and hell, those who have been in hell for that rich man has been in hell for maybe two, three thousand years already. And then he still one day will have to stand before Jesus. And then the Bible says that death and hell 
were cast into the lake of fire. So there's another, there's hell now, which I believe is at the center of the earth. And then those in hell will be taken out, they'll be judged, and then thrown into a lake of fire. And the Bible says this is the second death. The second death. You see, Jesus was telling those men, he was warning them about the first and the second death there. You will die in your sins, and where I go, you cannot come. It says, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's no sin allowed in heaven. This is why Jesus came to pay for sin. He came to make a way for us to be forgiven so that we can have eternal life. Oh, what a Savior. What a Savior. He he, he speaks of the closing window Jesus does, but then he doubles down on the fact that he is Christ the Lord. Look at verse 24. He says, therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe, I am he. If you do not believe that I am he, if you don't place your faith in Christ and you don't believe that he is God in the flesh who died on the cross for your sins, then you will be separated from him. You guys are probably thinking I'm mean when I was saying that about, you know, that, that, that Mormon individual. But I I can't. The Bible says to don't even bid them Godspeed who preach another Christ, who lead people to damnation. And I'm telling you, this is a serious matter. And you don't you don't hate anyone. You don't you don't you're not trying to be angry and mean for any reason. But I, I I've come to understand what the scripture says. And anyone who will preach another Christ, anyone who does not believe in the, the Jesus of the Bible, oh, they are not, uh, they are not our friends. They are not someone who we, uh, should be in close association with or in ministry, uh, serving alongside. I, I, maybe I'm old fashioned with this, but you, you, uh, maybe I would. I don't know. If God gave me the opportunity and he gave me a platform and there's a Catholic priest and, and you know, there's a, you know, a bishop or whatever it may be, I may still go, but I I promise you I'll be keeping my distance. I'm going to be honest because I understand what the word says. And Jesus is saying to them, you don't believe that I am the Christ. You don't believe that I am he, that I am the, 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 the God man, God in the flesh. And so because of that, you will die in your sins. They go on and they say this to him, verse 25. Then they said to him, who are you? <laughs> now, what have Jesus been saying this whole time? <laughs> they know who he is. But I want you to understand what a better way to say what they really were asking is, who do you think you are, is what they were saying. This was the, the attitude about what they're questioning. Who do you think you are? Doesn't the world do that today? Who do you think you are, Jesus, to tell me how to live? Who do you think you are to say that my gender is only one of two? Who do you think that you are, Jesus, to say that you are the only way? 
Who do you think that you are, Jesus? I want to tell you who he is this morning. Oh, he is the greatest man in history. He is, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicine, yet he called, they called him healer. He had no army, yet he conquered nations. He had no military, yet he conquered the entire world. He did, he didn't live in a castle, but yet they called him Lord. He ruled all, no nations, yet they called him king. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. They tried to kill him, but the tomb couldn't hold him. And I'm telling you this morning, you must come to Jesus. He is the only way. And that's why we bow before him as Lord. He is Lord of my life. He tells me how to live my life. He is my master. You can't serve two masters this morning. I'm, I'm afraid that many Christians, they live a duplicit life because they try to fit in with the world and the Lord isn't their master. You know Jesus as Savior, but he isn't your Lord. And let me ask you, how's that working out for you? How's that working out, Christian, in your life? You have no joy. How's that working out in your marriage? When Jesus isn't Lord of your life, oh, my friends, you're going to ruin that life. I don't care how much you have in a bank account. I don't care how much you think you have rose to the top of the ladder in this world. I'm telling you, Jesus must be Lord of all in our lives. Yes. Who do you think you are, Jesus? That's what they're saying to him. And he says, just what I've been saying to you from the beginning Verse 26, I have many things to say to you and to judge concerning you. But he who has sent me is true. And I speak the word, I speak to the world, those things which I heard from him. They still don't understand. And Jesus is saying, he's going to give them another sign. Look at verse 28. He says, the cross is going to confirm who I am. Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man. So Jesus, of course, he predicted his death on several occasions. When he's speaking of this, he says to them, then you will know that I am he. They're going to know when the earth starts to quake. When the sky is black at the height of the day. They're going to know when those who are dead in the tombs in Jerusalem, start to get up and walk out. They are going to know when three days later, those soldiers come rushing back and saying, an angel showed up whose countenance was like lightning, and he's no longer in the grave. They're going to know. But we know the rest of the story. Many of them still reject it. They say, you're going to know that I am he. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my father taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Jesus, he was the perfect, the perfect one. He always did the things that the father asked him. But I want you to see there were some, verse 30. And as he spoke these words, many believed in him. And I'm encouraged. I'm glad that the word of God records that. Not all rejected him. Many believed in him. Many that day chose to place their faith 
in Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you today to believe on him while there is time. Don't reject him. Don't put this off. Don't go through the motions. And I don't care if you've been a member of this church for 10 years, 12. It doesn't matter. I don't care who you are this morning. So you can fool me, but you can't fool Jesus. He's going to say to, to a lot of religious folks, depart from me. I know you not. I don't have a relationship with you. And you and I know if we, you know, you know if you have a relationship with Jesus this morning. I can't help it. When we get in here, we're worshiping. And, you know, when I'm alone with him, and he confirms that I am his. I, can't, I just can't help but cry out. Oh, my spirit, deepest part of me, it testifies. And it's because as a nine-year-old boy, I asked Jesus to save me. I didn't understand all the theological ramifications of my decision. I didn't know much scripture at that point. But I knew who Jesus was. And I asked him to save me. Yesterday, I had the privilege of going to see one of my friends get baptized and his son and and uh there were a lot of little other kids that were getting baptized and my heart rejoiced my heart rejoiced as i saw these little kids testify that they believe on jesus and i just left there my heart full and excited to come here this morning and preach the gospel the glorious gospel of jesus christ it's good news It's the best news that Jesus loves sinners and he died to save them. Oh, how many of you this week, you sinned, you fell short of the glory. (sighs) Come on, let's be real. You know, I have, I'm going to tell you this and I'm done. (laughs) I'm much different now. My wife says I'm getting soft. Let me tell you, because in my 20s, you know, I started, preaching, I started preaching at 22 years old, very prideful, arrogant. People didn't like to be around me. <laughs> um, in my 20s, I thought I had it all together. And you know, the only thing that's changed, the reason why I'm able to show far more grace these days is because it's been another decade of me failing and failing and failing and sinning and God having to pick me up. Only reason why I'm here preaching, I was thinking about it and I'm in tears. You guys don't know. You guys don't know. The only reason why I'm here in this pulpit is because God didn't just let me walk away from him. Very close from walking away. I'm going to promise you. But he came and he, he rescued me. You know, I want to tell you this. When Jesus become your savior, he, he, he saves your, sir, your soul. You are saved for eternity, right? But he's going to save you next week too. Not your soul, but he's going to save you from you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you aren't on your high righteous horse. 